You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Drive after the takeaway and the interception. Wide open and into the end zone is Dolman Jr. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and everybody, brace yourselves. Grump. Here it comes. Please uh, give me the floor. It's all yours. All right. I know a lot of my fellow Giant fans are Yankee fans, and we're recording this late at night on a Monday night. We just finished game one of the, uh, the ALDS, and I got two things to say. One, because you don't follow the Rays, you don't pay attention to the Rays, except for the, you know, the 13 games a year, whenever we play you, and you watch these games under the pinstriped colored glasses of Yes Network or you know, WCBS or anything, you get this sense that the Rays are this little nice little story with this wonderful manager who's great. Well, you saw the reason today why I think Kevin Cash is overrated. And I think he sucks because I watch him every day. The guy, in spite of how well our bullpen is and how well it is, it's based mainly on talent. The mismanagement of our bullpen has happened all year. And you saw tonight the mismanagement of Blake Snell. And you saw an eighth inning. I don't understand how we can throw in the towel down one run and letting a pitcher hang himself out to dry for almost 45 pitches, which started out as a one-run game. So you have to understand that this is very aggravating for my part. And second, now I'm addressing all of you Yankee fans, and if this causes me to lose some followers on Twitter or to be angry with me, I really don't give a shit. Yankees are a bunch of whining snowflakes. They've been crying for years about getting thrown at, which may or may not be happening, even though the stats say in the last five years the Yankees have hit more raised pitchers and vice versa. That Bush League stunt of trying to steal up six runs against a pitcher in his major league debut when he's obviously shitting in his pants proves that this team is nothing but a bunch of bullies, but when the going gets tough, snivel and cry and are a bunch of snowflakes. I promise you, it won't happen in this playoff series because obviously there's too much at stake, but either in spring training next year or in the regular season sometime, there will be repercussions for that, and it will be warranted. I know there's unwritten rules in baseball, and I know they're silly and stupid, but they're there. And you can't cry like little bitches you know, in the media and have, you know, a, 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 an ass-lapping media parrot it all year about how they're, they're, you know, the innocent Yankees are thrown at all the time and then pull a stunt like that. So, I don't know. I'm just really fired up. And, you know, after, uh, after that giant game yesterday and then this now, I'm probably not going to sleep for two days. But I had to get off that off my chest. I still love you guys as Giant fans, but for the next week, this is going to be a war with me and all of you Yankee fans. So, Boy, that sounded like an intense game that I didn't watch. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as usual, I was slaving away hard at work re-watching the game in slow motion instead of watching playoff baseball. But you know what? All things considered, I would pretty much probably have done the same thing anyway. So... You know, I'll leave. I'll leave the baseball feud between you and the uh, and the and the pinstripe crowd here. I don't care. You guys, <laughs> I'm done. Let's you guys let's move on to out. why you're. This isn't the just raised podcast. This isn't this isn't the just American League Division Series podcast. This is the the just Giants podcast. So let's get to the thing we want to complain about together in unity, and yeah. that would be this this franchise. And that would be the Giants uh, falling to the Los Angeles Rams, seventeen to nine. Um. You know, it's really difficult to uh, predict how I thought this episode was going to go Sunday morning. You know, um, we both predicted based on the week before and just the fact that this is a well-coached team with a really good offense that this was going to be a at 
absolute knockout gut punch. You know, and you were joking because when we recorded the pregame episode that you were watching the Jets and they had gotten a first down and we kind of Bronx cheered them a little bit. And then I said right after, I mean, we'll be lucky to get a first down with six minutes left in the uh, second quarter or something. I don't know what I said, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, while the game didn't start out too promising, it certainly didn't go nearly as bad as either one of us thought. And I don't think anybody thought it went as it was going to go the way it went. I mean, anyone, any analyst, any player, any coach, I don't think anyone thought it would be the game that it ended up being. Did you? Uh, From a score standpoint and a competitive standpoint, that's the best we could hope for. And I, I don't think anybody expected that. But I think, you know, how this team is playing right now, I mean, the bar is so low that, you know, people were getting excited about, oh, there's the running game, and oh, and, you know, and Daniel Jones was doing this and that, and the defense was this and that. It was, this team is still, you know, a long, long way to go. I mean, that looked like a team, this is about the performance I kind of expected in a regular week one if they had a full, you know, off-season and training camp and preseason games. I, I think we're kind of now getting close to that point of where we are. And it still isn't pretty. You know, it still would be – there would still be issues based upon a young quarterback and an offensive line gelling and a new coaching staff and everything. So, you know, while there were little things to kind of get encouraged about, it's more that we're just kind of basing it off a very, very low bar more than, like, this is real progress. I mean – the first quarter was atrocious and it took to almost halftime before Daniel Jones had positive passing yards. That's horrible. You know, he, he, they, we saw some composure in the second half. We saw, you know, little green shoots of a running game. We saw a little green shoots of a pass rush. We saw little things, things to build on, but you know, uh, I'm not ready to start saying this team has turned any sort of corner yet. I mean, it's just a very slow progression of what we're trying to build. Boy, you nailed it, man. I mean, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, the bar is super low, but also, you know, this was about the performance I would have expected in a week one game with a full off season. That's what this is. What I mean, just looking at the numbers, looking at how it went, how it rolled. I, I agree with you. I don't think that they turn any corner here, but what they, they did do something important, and that's that they, they bounced back from a really disgusting game. And I think that speaks more to coaching than anything else. Um, it, I mean, it's hard to say that it speaks to on-team leadership, right? I mean, like, Barkley and Shepard are out. And I did think this was interesting, but Joe Judge made them come with the team anyway. Um, you know, being, you know, captains and veterans on this team. Um, but, you know, I, I really think it was... Uh, it, it appears that Joe Judge uh, seems to still have good control of this team. I mean, it was... By all accounts of beat reporters, he he really laid into the team after after a pitiful performance last week, and uh, they came out while they they performance wise didn't do very well right off the ba- off the gate. They were physical right off the gate, um, particularly on defense. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we 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 can say we we I mean we could talk. We have a whole episode on the offense and and. Whatever, but you know, you were saying that it took them a little while to get going. That first drive by the Rams was a real, was a real, um, you know, a typical Sean McVay opening drive. It ate a bunch of clock. They moved down the field methodically. They scored a touchdown. But after that was nothing. I mean, nothing. If you're if you're a Rams fan, that was about as ugly as a Sean McVay offense looks. Um, and it really was, you know, it. it, it the defense held this game together until the offense could get their shit together, um, you know, late in the second quarter where they marched down the field for a field goal. Yeah, I mean, again, I know we sound like broken records talking about this, but I think you are going to see very uneven play early on in this season. And I think, you know, I think we happen to catch the Rams at one of the, like a, a moment, you know, early in that game where, you know, they just weren't, they weren't themselves. And I think, you know, just, would we see a performance like the Rams like that in week 12 or 13? I, I don't think so. Um, 
it's, I, to be to be in this game, I think was really good for the Giants from the standpoint of now they, you know, they've actually been in three of the four games. They've been somewhat competitive games. I mean, all except last week, yeah, yeah. But see, but here's the difference, right? We talked about um, you know the defense looking good. Week one, we saw a very rusty, bad football Pittsburgh Steelers, right? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we were seeing un- mistimed passes. You know, guys weren't running the run, just throwing to empty spaces and things like that from Pittsburgh's offense. And you could say some of that could have been confusion, but I think it's really just rust. That was rust and no offseason rust. Um, you know, week two, Chicago, I mean, is uh, Mitch Trubisky. You know, it, it really... Again, it looked like the defense was holding things together. They certainly weren't playing badly, but it looked like it could have been 50-50, some bad offense, some good defense. Um, and last week was just, you know, we'll scratch that one because nobody played well. But this week, this this was not unti- like mistimed passes by Jared Goff. There wasn't a big turnover. I mean, there was a fumble in the first quarter, but I, I mean, I, there was no big turning point. This was just steady, good defense for much of this game. Um, this this was a defensive performance. This was not offensive in, ineptitude or, or lack of preparation. This was just good defense. And, uh, you know, it's something to hang its head on. You know, I, I really am trying to use the stars and farts system. Uh-huh. And it, it's, it's a little difficult because we have just so many new pieces. It's hard to be too hard on guys. And I, I refuse to use the star designation for anybody who, who gives anything less than a great performance. But I have to give it to Patrick Graham at this point. I mean, this is a high-powered, high-scoring offense that Sean McVay puts on the field week after week for years now, and they shut them down to 17 points, one of which was a, a, a busted coverage. You know, just really, and, and, and that's a that's a fourth-quarter touchdown. In, in A year ago, I wouldn't have told you we'd be able to hold the Rams to 17 points. I mean, it's it's... I, it was a great defensive performance, and you know, I really, I tried to look at all the different stuff that happened, and it really is a versatile, multiple-looking defense. It looks like your 07 Spagnolo Giants defense, and I'm not just saying that because that pumps juices into giant fan testicles. I'm just saying it, <laughs> it really does. I mean, I'm watching all kinds of crazy stuff, you know. Just as an example, I have a whole list of stuff. I'm not going to go through all of it. But my, my favorite one was in the second quarter, Kyler Fackrell got a sack. Okay? This was incredibly exotic. You had six guys at the line of scrimmage. Immediately at the snap, Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez bail into coverage. B.J. Hill pushes in as a rush for about a second, second and a half. And then he bails into zone coverage as well. So now they're only rushing three guys. So... If you watch this in slow motion, Jared Goff has a throw to the flat that's open that probably gets him a first down. But I think all the confusion, it disorients the offensive line, and the coverage disoriented Jared Goff. And nobody knew what to do, and it allowed enough time for Fackrell to get there and get home for a sack, with only three guys rushing. When was the last time the Giants had three guys rushing and, and notched a sack before this year? <laughs> yeah. We haven't had the the personnel to do it on their own with just three guys doing it. We've had to manufacture it through, you know, corner blitzes or or sorts of exotic things to make it happen. It, it, it really, this is a this is a good defense that Patrick Graham is running. I was worried about him with the hire because I just I didn't have enough to um, to look at, you know, and uh, you know after four weeks it's really looking good. This is he's gotten a lot out of some guys that maybe should be backups. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and the expectation is that, you know, as we're cycling out guys, it shouldn't be in this league with, you know, younger, better talent that hopefully will grow into this this defense. I mean, it's you can only coach and scheme so much. At the end of the day, it comes down to players. Yeah, and you know what? That's, that's interesting you say that because I mentioned Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant, you know, he came in and Started. I, did anyone expect him to start playing already? And he he looked good. I mean, he didn't embarrass himself out there. He times his blitzes really well, and you know he he's a converted running back, so he's a little bit light. But he he times his blitzes really well. Just honestly, just runs like a bull, just into whatever gap he's supposed to go to, and just blows up a blocker. 
which is great. I, I mean, he he's definitely a work in progress, but he for 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 somebody who's not really fully developed into the linebacker role, he didn't look like a clown playing among starters against a good team, which is, that's that's great. The other problem with the defense too, you know, is that they're on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. This offense is really doing nothing, so that's forcing them. You know, we're not seeing these, you know, really long, long drives and clock eating drives. It was one of those things that picked up this week. You know, the 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 um the second half drives by the Giants were um. I don't want to say they're clock eaters, right? Because that implies some like methodical drive. And, and th- don't get me wrong, there was a, there were whispers of an actual running game in this game, and we'll we'll get to that in a second. But you know, some of it was this thing that I'm not really keen on: is it's that we keep getting to fourth down, we get into third and long, and we're just kind of magically converting these things, and that's really elongating the drive. Um, but I, I don't want to sugarcoat. I, I don't want to um, cut them short either, because we really did see finally some kind of running game identity this week a lot of power running pulling guards and tackles into one direction lining up Shane Lemieux as a fullback on one play Mm -hmm. really trying to impose their will and I said in the pregame that Buffalo really showed that you can run against this team you know Buffalo's a great team and I, I don't want to compare the Giants to them in any way but they're not some running powerhouse you know what I mean? They're a good offensive line with a really good running back. It's not something that can't be replicated with some game planning. And it really looked like Jason Garrett finally did a little bit of something that looks like it's trying to be something finally. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, like, you know, the other teams in the NFC West try to do and teams that are, you know, obviously have more talent, you know, in our playoff caliber teams, you know, if they take this modeling kind of, you know, exploit it more with, you know, more success. I mean, we're trying to do it with, you know, really a lack of personnel and, you know, early in the season and all that business. But, you know, you're right. That that might be the way to to, to stop this, um, you know, go against this defense. You know, what's interesting is, you know, just, just to credit everything that I'm saying here is, you know, the Giants, they end the game with 295 total yards. It's a fine number. It's not good. It's, it's, it's fine. It's a respectable number. It's not anything to brag about. They held the Rams to 240 total yards. That is a real testament to this defense. Say whatever you want about 17 points, whatever. 240 total yards from the Rams? That's good well, defense. It, yeah, they were only uh, only 5 to 13 on third down, the Rams. Yeah, I mean, the Giants did a good job. Patrick Graham really had a good game plan. And, you know, a game plan is only as good as its execution. The, the Giants did a great job on defense this week. I mean, there's just no other way about it. We're looking at the numbers here. You know, they 23 rushing attempts for 58 yards. That's that's under three yards a carry. <laughs> I mean, under 60 total rushing yards is is not good. Uh, no, no team should be okay with that. That was the Rams. I'm talking. I know. About. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, it, it just this one I think came down to mistakes in the red zone and that's really what I mean some you know the offense it's still not looking like it's clicking there's one play that I've already seen on Twitter um, where it it, on the opening drive for the Giants um, it looks like it's a design pass play and nobody's running a route so there's a screw up there I don't know if that's on Daniel Jones or something happened in the huddle or just somebody didn't run around I don't I have no idea what happened there but that's that can't happen. But in the red zone, we saw penalties, and this is the first time we've really seen um, boneheaded penalties from a Joe Judge, this this Joe Judge team. Um, you know, false starts, illegal formation, stuff like that, all happening in the red zone. Already on third and a little bit long, like seven or something like that, and you're pushing it even further back. And it was drive killers. These things all ended in, in field goals. And, you know, the the field goal right before halftime, you can't fault them too much. I mean, sometimes that's all you have time for. That was really a time thing there. With four seconds left, you can only really kick a field goal there. Um, and then the big mistake at the very end, the pick. Which, honestly, 
I know that people were picking on Daniel Jones for maybe staring down his receiver. The dude's escaping his pocket. He made a throw. That's a really good play by the DB there. That's a really good play. Yeah, I mean, sometimes players make plays, and I think that was one. I was not looking at that as like, oh, he blew it. That was just, you know, like like you said, he was sliding out, and he threw, and, you know, it's just, it was a great play. So that, that happens. I'm not – that I'm not going to kill. I mean, Eli Manning in the final, you know – fifth of his career was doing that on a regular basis in the red zone, which were just truly bad decisions and truly bad throws. And I would not even put that in one of those Eli red zone screw ups in that same category. No, me either. I, I think that, you know, is that what he probably should have done? I mean, I think he could have ran a little bit. Um, I think it looked like he had some room in front of him. I'm not going to kill him for trying to make a play. And it wasn't, he didn't throw into double coverage or anything like that. That, you know, maybe just throw it a little bit more towards the sideline where the only person that can get it is Ratley or Board or whoever that was over in the corner. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, what do you think about the decision uh, to punt with what, how much time was left, like six or seven minutes left in the game instead of going for it? You know, that's the that's the only head coaching thing that I think is even questionable so far in Joe Judge's early Career. I mean, first couple games, he didn't really get put in any situation to make any weird decisions. You know, I don't blame him. This offense really wasn't rolling. <laughs> you know, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I was curious what your take was going to be because I've, I've seen some people. I wouldn't, have, I, but, I wouldn't have killed him either way. I'm just saying if it were me, I, I wouldn't have done. I, I was not feeling in that moment on that drive that this offense was moving the ball very well. Yeah, I my philosophy for something like this is that I know coaches love to talk about teachable moments, and you know the silliest thing that you do here is always like I want to I want this team to man up. I want them to you know you know I want to put them in a position where they have to make a play or something. No, in that situation, right there, you have an opportunity to win a game, and you do the smart thing. You know, the coaching moments and challenging their manhood and all that nonsense, you know, that's for another day, you know. But this is that's one of the situations where your best option to win is putting this the stronger um, side of the ball on the field. And as we just talked about, our defense was playing pretty well. You know, the, the, the play there is to pin them. I mean, this isn't. Uh, this isn't playing video games where you're going to outscore everybody all the time and just whoever doesn't score loses. This is, you know, you have to play field position and you have to play smart. And I, 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 I a lot of people were, I don't know if they were killing Joe Judge, but they were like, you know, they were questioning the call. And that's, you know, fans and some writers also. And I liked it. I, I think it was smart. Um, I mean, I think that, in that it's situation. It's not proven they can do anything yet. Yeah, like we're, exactly. We're, we're, we're congratulating ourselves over getting a first down every once in a while. But, you know, I, I, I don't trust this offense on fourth and four to, to get it. And, you know, so if they don't get it there, you're almost – you're giving them great field position. And all of a sudden, because of a two-score game, then the game is truly over. And, you know, it's like, oh, so what? It's one game. It's like, no. If you can win this game, you have some – you know, you have a happy plane ride home. And then you're getting into this little gauntlet coming up. You know, if you lose this game like we did, you know, we, we really don't know where that next win is coming from right now. So it was important to try to scratch out a win anyway how. And there was a, you know, that was the right move. Now, unfortunately, you know, the one busted coverage and, you know, touchdown, but the result of what happened shouldn't have influenced was it a right call or not what he did before that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, again, I don't have a problem with going it for it, going for it there, but I haven't seen anything this year from this offense. It gives me any sort of um, confidence, even in doing like something like running up there and trying to hard count them. You know what I mean? I, don't, I haven't even seen anything from this team that tells me that they could do that successfully. Well, let's talk about that. We, we tried to go on fourth down. I think it's one of those plays where we, we lined up and it wasn't like we're never going to run a play on fourth down and we screwed up with a a procedure, like a, a false start or something, and it was just a mess. Like, I think that's the stupidest thing in football. You know, if if you're going to go for it on fourth down, go for it. You know, don't... I mean, I, I, no, I, I don't agree with that. But you know what it is? You have to play it right. I mean, you have to... First of all, this team goes for it on fourth down often enough that I think if you line up, 
I think you're keeping the defense honest. You're keeping the coaches honest. The other, but, make, the, but make an effort to disguise the fact that you might go for it. 100%. Was, I agree with you. There was zero urgency. There was zero intensity towards it. was like they slowly got to the line. They like You could tell right away. And I said to my wife as we were watching this, they're not going to run a play here. This is a waste of time. And then they just compounded it by screwing it up with a penalty. And that was the end of it. But it was just like, if you're going to do it, you know, you know, I know you are a big proponent. You say it all the time, mm-hmm. you know, have that fourth down play in your pocket. And if it doesn't work on third down, line up quick and run the play. You know, show, you know, show that you're thinking forward and you've, you've game plan this out. Um, but that was the I exact mean, I, opposite. I don't think it's, I don't think it's outlandish to game plan five or six fourth down plays each week and just, you know, call them, you know, A through E or whatever, A through F. And the moment it's fourth and one, fourth and five, fourth and three, you call that right into his headset. We're going with B. We're going with B. Go, 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 go. Get him well, up Well, how about there. this? Why get them just the have fuck two? up there. I mean, how many times in a, in a normal game do you have more than really two of these, you know, fourth and ones and fourth and twos in a spot on the field where it's worth going for it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I there's fourth, it's fourth and seven in the game. You have five or six, depending on the, the, the distance and where you are on the field and, and how the drive is going, where you're seeing the covered breakdowns or, or what, where the weakness seems to be on this drive. You have five or six different plays that all hit different things for different amounts of yards. And you just fucking, but you you get them lined up. You catch them before they can do any substitution. And I think you know the scenario too. If it's third and two, and you're on the, you know, forty-one yard line or something, you know, their forty-one yard line. It's something when you're in the huddle for third down. It's like okay, we're running this play, Scott T Z right, and then four is B or something. So it's like if, if, if you do it quickly, the other team doesn't have time to change their personnel. You know, there's chaos because they usually. On third down, if you stop the defense is doing an extra, you know, celebrate, you know, a little clap, a little dance, a little something, they're not right into it. I mean, it, 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 we just don't ever see it. And uh, but I mean, we're not coaches either. Maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than that. But I, I just don't understand it. You know, I just, I just think, I think it's a good thing to have is to have your fourth. I mean, the, my complaints for this, you know, what Cranky fan is talking about, they date back to the Tom Coughlin era of literally never going for it on fourth down. I mean, never. And when it started getting to the end of Coughlin's career as head coach here, we started seeing it sprinkled in. Um, and, you know, it would shock Eli Manning. Manning would be walking off the field knowing fourth down, we're not going for it. And he'd start walking up the field and he'd be getting a play call into his head and he'd be confused and running around. And it never worked because even he wasn't fucking prepared for it. And that's when I started yelling about it. Get ready for it. If you're going to do it, be ready for it. This league is evolving. I mean, the, the, the days of winning games 17-14 are going to become fewer and fewer as we go. This is becoming a league of outscoring other teams, you know, having more possessions than they do, having the ball longer, and scoring more. And, you know, giving up on, on drives where, you know, the percentages say you have just as much chance to, you know, hit a long field goal, you know, you need to have that in your back pocket. It's like that's not being a riverboat gambler. That's more playing the percentages, and it's becoming more a part of this game. And you know, yeah, it's harder to score now. You know, on non-offensive ways than it used to. You know, it's harder to score on the kickoff return. So that part of the game is basically gone. You know, it's hard to score on punt returns. It's harder to get an onside kick. So there's a you know a less chance to get the ball back with a minute left or something. I mean, when you have opportunities to, and maybe not score, but at least extend a drive, you know, if you can get that first down and get three, four more plays in, that's kind of go back to what I said before about keeping your defense off the field, keeping them fresh so that when they're in, they're more effective. So it all kind of adds together. And, um, you know, this, this giant team has to evolve as, a, you know, a team on the field and off the field as a 21st century team. And, Kind of kicking and screaming a little bit into the 21st century, all over the place, and hopefully that progression keeps going. I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, happy with what I saw on Sunday. You know, it was an ugly I mean, a game where you don't score touchdowns. It's a bad game, in my in my opinion. You're never going to tell me it's anything else. So you know, but 
this is a year where every week we're going to be looking at things that are getting better. And it's it's not honest of me to ignore that this running game looked like a professional football team finally. Not great, but it looked like they belonged on the field. It looked like a below-average NFL running game, but that's better than it has been. I mean, they haven't had 100 yards on the ground in forever. And in, in, we had some 10-yard runs. Wayne Gallman, finally seeing the field, had a, a nice 22-yard burst or something like that. Wayne Gallman and Daniel Jones had the exact number of attempts and yards. Mm-hmm. Well, some of Daniel Jones's design run, and some of it is scramble. So I understand that. I mean, you know, but you know, this is not Michael Vick. No, you know, no, this no. is. I mean, some of those design runs are supposed to really be change of pace off what the offense is doing to really kind of confuse our offense. The the crust of our running game is not Daniel Jones running the ball, and you know. The, the amount when he's he tied for the most rushes on your team, that's a problem with this offense. This offense is not, you know, this this, this isn't Cam Newton in two thousand nine Auburn, or even Cam Newton with, with Carolina in his heyday. Um, and again, you know, Wayne Gallman tied for him, but half of his yards were on one carry. So you know, I get what you're saying. You know, it's gone from being the worst in the league and dreadful to below average. But I guess that's progress it's and still pro- we're I mean, gonna measure but i mean we saw finally so we, we were talking about like we don't even know what this offense is trying to be i don't know what they want to do we don't know what what jason garrett is attempting here and finally with some running game we could see something coming off the back of it some rollout play action and things of that nature there's still a little confusion on my end it, it, I'm, I'm struggling to reconcile an RPO style offense with, with a power running game. But nevertheless, this looked like a professional, this didn't look like an AAF football team. Finally, this looked like a a bad NFL team, which is sadly an improvement, but it's an improvement nonetheless. And I have to call it out. I mean, we were seeing a couple of throws downfield. I mean, and this is again, this is against a good Pass rush defense, you know. I mean, the offensive line had a little trouble on the edges, both edges. Cam Fleming. Well, everybody's gonna have trouble against the edges against this team too. So let's, you know, put everything in perspective. You know, we're not in a vacuum. You know, we aren't a good offensive line, but everybody struggles against, you know, Aaron Donald. That that's that's no secret. Yeah, of course. Um, I think you know. Here's one of my thoughts. We're gonna talk about Daniel Jones, and I I say this all the time whether it's talking about politics or sports or anything that you believe in, it's like, there's two things. One, you can have more than one thought in your head at the exact same time. And two, everything isn't a binary decision. It's not A or B. It's not black or white. It's not, if I said this, that doesn't mean this. They may have nothing to do with each other. I can believe both things. Daniel Jones is not playing well. That's got nothing to do with any conversation of is he the franchise quarterback? Is he the future? Was it a wrong pick or anything? You know, we can evaluate on how he's playing that particular week, see what the progressions are for the year, and not even thinking about the other conversations. It doesn't feed into the other thing. And, you know, Daniel Jones is not playing well. He's not a very good quarterback right now. Um, but I want to leave it just at that. You know, every time he doesn't play well, every time he doesn't, you know, he throws an incomplete pass, every time he makes a poor decision, every time he fumbles, every time he throws a pick, that's not a referendum on, you know, is he the guy in the future? Is it, is it the wrong pick? Was it, you know, gentlemen, this, that. And I think it's, it's starting to get a little old from everybody that we're starting to have these conversations. And, you know, you, you want to compare him to like Baker Mayfield and say, well, look what he's doing. And, you know, you're seeing jumps from from some his peers, and you know, I, I I just you know it's okay to to say he's not playing well, and you know he's maybe his progression is slower than we hope to, but that doesn't mean that we've given up on the guy or any long term say for anything just yet. I mean, it was I was, I was his sixteenth game. <laughs> yeah, that's true, um, but you know he did not play well last week. I. He still looks like a guy that doesn't have a command of the offense. Doesn't look like, you know, there was one throw. I mean, the problem I've noticed, and you tell me, you watch more film than I do, is that it seems like he throws off his back foot a lot, or he's not throwing 
he's not throwing the ball through his body. Um, he had one throw. I think it was either late third quarter or fourth quarter. Threw it across the middle for about 15, 20 yards. And I think Slayton. I detected him during the game. Just late, and I was like, that's the best throw he's thrown in a while. Mm-hmm. Where he actually knew what he wanted to do with the ball, had the, the confidence and the oomph to just actually let it rip. And we need to see more of that from him. We see too much where it's, you know, even if he's not under pressure or not moving, it's he doesn't have his feet right and he's throwing off the back foot. You know, that was an early Eli problem that got corrected. You see in a lot of rookie quarterbacks, but you know, there's a long way to go for him before he's at an evaluation level of is this a guy or not. And, uh, you know, this offense is going to struggle until he's, you know, playing at a better level. And, and unfortunately, you can't fast forward time. He just has to keep playing. I mean, you're, you're right. He, he's... T- He's trying to do a lot of things with a bad offensive line, and that's not an excuse to make. It's it's an indictment. Um, he's trying to keep his eyes downfield when he needs to worry maybe a little bit more about his pocket feel right now. He's got to know when to get out of the pocket. And, and I agree with you, he's throwing off his back foot a lot because he's on the move a lot. You know, some of that is by design. But sometimes he's not, though. No, that's, you're that's right. Sometimes he's not. Yeah. Um, and I think when he gets – he's a very – I think most football players are. I think almost all quarterbacks are, but he's a very momentum-based guy. When he gets into a rhythm, he looks much, much better. And, you know, that might seem obvious, but, I mean, it's not obvious when you when he hasn't really been in a rhythm in a while. I mean, there's a whole new offense, and the offense looks like shit right now because nobody knows what the hell they're doing. But when he when he got on these drives in the third and fourth quarter where they're moving the ball a little bit, he looked better. He looked it's not just the throws. The throws are, are, are the result. It's everything building up to it. It's the confidence in the pocket that it won't break down. It's the confidence that when he hands it off, he's not going to get he, – he might not fumble because he's still handing it off by the time he gets hit. You know I mean? Well, it's also yeah, – it's, like, it's the options of like if it's third and four as opposed to third and nine. Ex- oh, absolutely. I mean it, it, it takes so much pressure off of him when he doesn't have to – throw on fourth and 11 or whatever the fuck it was you know when you when you only have to throw on on third and four it feels a lot better than on third and nine well, it, it you feel more confident you have to throw on third and four either it's you're just the point it's, it, you're thinking of options yeah i mean if it's on you and you know when plays are working you just have more confidence in the play working just in general i mean it's not even an individual thing or a situational thing i mean when things are just working you just go back there and you just let loose and you're not trying to do everything. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, and on that third quarter throw, I think it was third quarter. I, uh, it might have been fourth quarter, actually. Um, but to Slayton, he, he just looked calm in the pocket. He wasn't running. He wasn't getting hit. You know, it's going to be something that he'll develop as the talent around him gets better and as he gets a better command of this offense, which, again, is his third offense in three years. And a better command of his head. I mean, sure. that that internal clock becomes, you know, something he trusts more. Uh, you know, his second nature understanding of the playbook, his second nature of his what he does in his progressions, all those things have to happen. We're not there with those yet, but, you know, we, we want I want to see more of him less being, you know, I don't want to say scared, but just uncomfortable. Yeah, I want to start seeing a little more comfort in this, and uh, it might take longer than we want, um, but we're not seeing it yet, and I think that's compounding the other problems we've already talked about around him. You know, when I go through these stars and farts, for farts, I pick out individual people who screwed up or a a big collective, and I, I don't think the offense played bad enough for collectively to be a fart and it was hard for me to find one particular guy that was the problem this week but a big problem is Golden Tate and the post game fight he's getting a fart from me the game's over man the game is long over it's not like the whistle just blew over it's like handshake time over well are we are we gonna get into the backstory it's, it's you can get into the whole backstory but you know what for me because this didn't happen in the field of play between the whistles, you got to be aware of how stupid this is. And we can talk about players from other teams, but that's not what this podcast is about, and it's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? I mean, 
just walk away, man. The cameras are rolling all the time. You know, if if he if he sucker punches you, then it's on him. There never was a clear camera shot of it actually happening. So. Yeah, I, I have yet to see a clear camera shot right. to see who started right. what. So. But you know something, I, I can I hear that, but again, this is obviously boiling from an off field. You know, we'll say it. Who cares? This yeah, isn't really VGRR. You know, uh, Jalen Ramsey, noted Florida State scumbag, was definitely involved in a long term relationship with Golden Tate's sister knocked up a stripper and you know obviously you know what would you do in this situation if this was your you know is obviously a, a real hatred for the guy and jalen ramsey is also he's a handful everywhere he's been and you know they had an altercation on the field which probably flared it up and you know it's very easy for us to say walk away but you know Football games are very emotional to begin with. You're just coming off of it. And then when you have this going on, you know, it's kind of a fart for just, you know, that it was ugly and it was an embarrassment. But I'm not giving him a pass for doing it, but I can understand how that could get out of control very quickly. And I think that's really a situation that, you know, the Giants as a team can kind of help prevent a little bit also you know, keeping these guys away from each other, you know, in a situation. First of all, I don't understand why after a game there's handshakes when we're in the middle of COVID. I mean, I, I, that was like outlawed and then it was brought back or something like that. I don't know. It's ridiculous. I mean, I've seen a lot of ridiculous things this weekend related to COVID where we're starting to pay lip service to things instead of doing what we should be doing. And to me, you know, the game is over. There's absolutely no reason to, you know, in every other sport, in the NBA or something, when the game's over, they go to the hockey. Unless it's game seven, at the end of a series, you do the handshake. As soon as the, the, the hockey game is over, you go right to your your locker rooms immediately. I, I, I that's you're, you're just asking for trouble for stuff like that, too. So, you know, it's very, very unusual for that to spill out after a game, but this was kind of the pump was prime before it too. So I give him a fart for just that it happened, but it's not a, uh, it's not a real juicy fart for me. Look, Little, uh, you know, what? SPD one. I, I, I get you. I get you. I know that there's some nuance to this and I, there's some justifiable anger or bad feelings there, whatever you want to say. The situation is very simple. It's after the game. Just stay away from the fucking guy. Just stay away from him. What good is going to come from being around him? What good? What? What good? You know, whenever somebody beats the shit out of somebody, or you know, anger for something, what good does those things usually never anyway? Exactly. I mean, it, but, but it's, it's kind of it's, you just, like I said in the field of play. If a brawls, you know, there's usually pushing and shoving in the nature of the game anyway. You're talking in between plays, and it's going back and back and forth. You know, and that was kind of happening a little bit in this game. But this is a post game. This is. Stupid. Yeah, but remember this that. How stupid. often? How often? Like, remind me. And I, you know, I'm getting old. I remember every detail of these things. But like, after the Beckham Josh Norman nonsense, did that spill out till after the game was over? You know what's funny is I rewatched that game recently, and I um, don't think so. Uh, right. I, I think they were, and that was. And that was, that was out of control. With those, that, that was a little bit different. I mean, that was happening in the field of play. The benches were warned before flags started flying. Then but flags point, started flying. I mean, it was there was enough there where people were not going to let it get to that. That's not my point. My my point is that that after the game was over, it was over. Oh, but yeah, yeah. but there wasn't because there was bad blood in the game. It, it got out of control. What was happening on the field, but there was no. Again, no drama before it and no backstory before it where I truly think that Golden hate, Golden Tate fucking hates this guy for what he did to his family. And, you know, this is a unique yeah, situation. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, there's other things, right? There's, there's the game-to-game things. I mean, we can go back to uh, AFC South rivalry between um, Andre Johnson and, and shithead Cortland Finnegan. I mean, that was 
division rivals twice a year. Those two were going at it. And there was like one game, I think it was like three plays in, they were on top of each other, punching each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things, they just go every game. I mean, it, those are personal, but I mean, it, it's... That isn't personal like that's personal. No, I, I get it. I understand, man. It's a whole it's a whole other universe and level of you know, disrespect and then hatred. I get it. I understand. I, I, I would be infuriated as well. Getting into it at that point in the game when it's over is stupid. I mean, we can have a separate conversation. Allegedly, it was retorted, reported that Ramsey was waiting for Tate at, outside the locker room after the game. I mean, yeah. it's taking it a whole other level. This is all still being investigated by the league, all of this stuff. So, you know, whatever. To me, that is that that's those are things like that like brawls you know that kind of recklessness that it, it's 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 a whole separate thing from the game that needs to I don't just want to be use removed. covid as the kind of the excuser of everything of every ill in the world but this is a fucked up here and people are just you know it, it's lunacy what people are thinking and feeling and stuff and you know everything you know everybody's off season was all scrambled everybody had to deal with various degrees of being locked in and locked out um there aren't he's on a very bad team he's been hurt he's frustrated he, he looks across the field and the guy that cheated on his you know his sister is right there and you know it, it all this is a very stressful year you know is Golden Tate is is he pretty socially active with you know with uh, you know the social unjust issues? I think he is actually. So he may be all over the place with that too. And it, I don't want to give people passes for bad behavior this year, but it's expected more almost. I think is just people are just so out of sorts trying to deal with everything. And again, that doesn't give everybody a get out of jail free card, but you know. I'm not going to put a, a, a star next to his name for life being a bad guy be, because of this. No, no, no. And and for the record, I, I, I do think Golden Tate is a, a good player. I like him. He's fine. Um, it, I'm just – I'm not going to let that go. You know what I mean? That, that That's – Yeah. You know, we, we saw some chipping in the, in the game between Aaron Donald and Nick Gates. You know, those guys between the – I mean, it was all pretty much – between the whistles, you know, a little bit after, but nothing crazy. Uh, that he tried to throw a punch, didn't he, Nick Gates? In the game, I believe he did. Uh, or, well, or I mean, is it the was, melee right after it? No, no, no there was. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of pushing each other's faces. There was a lot of pointing inside face masks. It was both of them. Um, you know, I don't know who started it. It the, the camera didn't really pick it up, but it was both of them kind of hitting each other and then it was broken up. But I mean, it was broken up and these guys are literally face to face every play. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not the same as, you know, wide receivers are moving around and stuff like that and come off the field sometimes. If you're 0 and 4 staring at potentially 0 and 7, 0 and 8, you have a be pretty pissy too. But that's the thing. That's when it spirals. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's and, you know, I'm hoping that that kind of thing is shut down by judge you know, I, I get it. Everyone's frustrated. You just lost a game. You could have won. This prick over here, who is a prick, you know, you got personal beef with him. On top of the fact that he's a prick, and he's probably came up to you. I don't fucking know. I get all of that, but that's when things really spiral out of control. And even if you win that fight, even if you, you know, you get your personal, you get the shot in on him, you knock out his tooth, whatever. Now what, dude? So what? Big deal. This is a your actions have repercussions world and your, you know, your words and your actions have repercussions. So people don't think about that. I mean, there's a lot of people sitting in jails right now thinking about the, maybe I should have done X because here I am now. So, well, that is pretty much it for this episode. Um, Yeah. I'm probably not going to sleep tonight, Grump. I'm just, I'm still, I'm fired up from the last 24 hours of sports. I am, I am beyond incensed. Uh, yeah. If you want to, you know, again, I am talking as the minority in this group today, and I understand that. But if you want to get on my case, you know, make fun of me for that performance tonight or get, you know, 
want to argue the fact that, uh, you know, sealing a base when you're down six is, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's no more unwritten rules. You know, you can find me on Twitter at the cranky fan because God knows I'm not sleeping anytime soon tonight. I'll probably still be up when this show is in your feed on Tuesday morning. <laughs> and I am on Twitter as well at football underscore grump, where I will continue talking giants football and all things that are happening throughout the week and getting ready for our matchup next week against Dallas Cowboys. Our next episode will be the pregame matchup for that game. Division game, first one of the year, going to be interesting, so we'll get into that. That'll be a fun episode. If you follow me on the Cranky Fan, you know that this weekend I went down to Gainesville, Florida to watch Florida football, and the first time I've been in a sporting event since early March. And I want everybody to know that uh, despite maybe some things you've seen on TV about how crowds are, uh, I saw a very safe environment. I saw, you know, the way it was set up was people were separated accordingly, you know, both you know, entering and leaving the stadium where seats were set up in concession stands. It gave me hope that, you know, if we are ever going to see fans at a giant game this year, that it could feasibly be done. Now, obviously, we're not going to have 80,000 people, but um, I walked away from that experience thinking I was safer in there than I was in a subway on my way to Kennedy. So uh, if we're looking for positives, you know, for moving forward, you know, I think it can be done, you know, having potential crowds at Giant Stadium, whether, you know, New Jersey will allow whatever is a different story or the Giants, but I'm hopeful for that. So, you know, in spite of everything shitty going on with, with our Giants and watching on TV, maybe there's a chance we can see them in, in the stadium in the fall. If it's still called football when they're playing it, I mean, who knows? <laughs> maybe we can get together for that watch party for the, uh, the number one pick in, in April. Who knows? <laughs> All right, everyone. Our next episode will air Friday morning. That will be that Dallas game. So be uh, be ready for that one. And we will see you all on iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Google Play. We'll be all over the place. So we'll see you there. And go Giants. Go Giants. And go Rays. Go Giants.